no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Welcome back to the 40-yard switch. Jasper Woodcock, Wilbur Lukes, and we are back after a short hiatus. Last week, I was under the weather, and me and Wilbur have not the best opinions of the international break, so we thought it best to just lay low for a week. Isn't that right? <laughs> That's exactly right. But you're back to full strength now. Oh, yeah, well, 80%, we'll call it. But then you're not feeling too crash hot. <laughs> Yeah, no, I just started yesterday. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think my voice actually does sound hoarse. No, it doesn't. No, you sound good. We sound. We sound great. We sound fantastic. Uh, so yes, we've got. We'll, we'll touch it briefly before we get uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the episode. Uh, some international break stuff, but we don't really care for it too much. Um, outside of one talking point that we, I've gonna I'm gonna hit on in a second, which is to do with England manager Gareth Southgate. But first, notable moments from the international break. Um, the most notable one, Japan beating Germany 4-1 and subsequently getting Hansi Flick sacked. Uh, I watched the extended highlights, or I watched some of the highlights of that game. Um, Japan were just really good. Like, Germany weren't even that bad. Japan were just really, really good. Tommy Asu got man of the match playing at left centre-back. Um, Ito, I think his name was, was really good on right, on the right wing. And yeah, they just, they just carved Germany up. And hit him on the break. So yeah, final score was four, four one, four one. Yeah, I, I, I saw a little like image on Instagram. I think it was just earlier today about how like it smacks a bit of like disrespect for Japan a little bit because like like it, I suppose they're being treated like Germany have been smashed by a team that's like a, a bit on the fringes, whereas yeah. Japan have a very very good team. I think it was something like 10 out of the 11 players on the pitch play in, in Europe's top leagues. Um, yeah, so I, I thought that was a bit of an interesting like interesting comment on it, whether Japan are being disrespected a little bit in that whole thing. I think, you know, there's probably there's probably not the whole story, but um, but yeah. I think definitely to a point that it's like Japan is still sort of revered as this team, well, not revered, but uh, considered this team that is a bit, you know, lower down in the global standing like fringes but, like, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but I think that as shown with their women's football and now with their men's football they've been sort of steadily building over the past few years yeah you know gone are the days where like it's one or two good players and then like a Nakamura or a Keosuke Honda it's now like a solid team all over the pitch you know from Tommy Asu at, and, and Yoshida at centre back or whoever's playing at centre back if Yoshida's now passed a little bit you've got Ito you've got Mitoma you've got Takafusa Kubo who plays for Real Sociedad all up-and-coming star players and I think and like I think it's probably because they are Japanese that they're not you know household names in in the western world yeah so they're not considered to be you know as as notable but they're gonna need to be recognized sooner rather than later because they they are coming I think as a team yeah I think it's like, yeah, it's it's obviously bad for Germany. It's, it was a great result for Japan. And I, I think obviously like Asian football like is on the up as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, obviously, regardless of all that, losing 4-1 in a, in, in a game like that is, is a bad result for Germany. Um, so you don't reckon they played 
they didn't play that badly or like obviously they didn't play well but yeah. it wasn't like glaring mistakes yeah. you know what i mean or and like obviously I, I didn't watch the whole game so i don't know like in in build up and in possession how they were playing was it slow lethargic you know devoid of ideas yeah but from what i saw japan scored first which is a bit of like a shock and then um germany hit back pretty pretty swiftly with a good goal lira sane and then japan just sort of picked them apart on either either on the counter or just building up through the middle like and like there's i've watched individual highlight reels of attack uh tomiyasu and wataro endo uh liverpool's new signing obviously and they, they like they're just both involved in ver- in multiple moments where Japan just sort of play through Germany at ease. Mm. Like they're just knocking passes around really nice, build up through the lines and it's like that's a proper footballing side. That's not just some guy some team that's come to park the bus and hit on the counter. Yeah. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. What do you think of of Hansi Flick being sacked? I don't watch enough German national team football to yeah. really know, but Obviously, he was really good at Bayern. Mm. I think that German national team's issues run a bit deeper than the coach. Yeah. From what, because it, well, it hasn't worked with, what, three different, no, Jürgen Löw. Well, Jürgen Löw, it was getting stale anyway, but now it's not worked in such a short period of time with Hansi Flick. What's that, like two years or less than? Yeah. So, I think it's, like, it's 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 hard to sort of glean how good Hansi Flick was at Bayern because, like, cause any coach goes to Bayern and does quite well. Yeah. You he, know, like Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola's team. Yeah, right? yeah. exactly. Um, so I think it's, a, and I probably don't watch enough of Bayern to know whether he, like, turned the, the had them playing really, really good football. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a bit of a difficult one. I think the timing, like, there's still a while to the Euros, but it's still not great. There's not heaps of football to play international football to play between now and the Euros it's true so but yeah. they also have the buffer of not having to um, have the pressure of qualifying because they're the host nation yeah so true. they can just focus all their games on like implementing style and all that type of things you know and maybe they'll lose one or two games in the process but if, they, if they're trending in the right direction come Euros time then it could be good it just seems like the German national team have lost a bit of that, like, that steel, like, that, yeah. you know what I mean? That, Definitely that, that aura as well. Yeah, that they're, like, really, really hard to beat. They're now a bit, I mean, just the last two major international tournaments, they didn't, they, they didn't play that well. They didn't have that kind of grit that they usually have in tournaments. Mm, no, absolutely. But, yeah, I think, I think it, on one hand, like, it's, it's, it's not a great sign to be getting rid of the manager this close to the Euros, but on the other hand... And this is something that will link to something that I'll talk to in a little bit. I do think if it's not working with a manager and you've got a big tournament coming up, it's better to get rid of them now rather than wait till after that tournament. Mm. Because certain players only have so long left in their careers, like your Thomas Mullers and others like that. Yeah. And I think it's you got to make the most of these players in the time that you've got them. I think it's a weird one though, because like, because you've got you've got Hansi Flick, who is like you know quite quite a good manager. You've got you've obviously got the Euros coming up, um, but yeah, like the, there also isn't any other like super clear candidates for me to take the German Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann, true, true. I think he's the obvious choice. Yeah. Well, I suppose I was gonna say there isn't clear. Well, the, <laughs> there is. Um, but but yeah, outside it, of that, it, I don't it, think it, there is an obvious choice. It does smack a little bit to me of this kind of like you know recent culture we see in the Premier League a lot of just getting rid of a manager, manager like 
that will fix all your problems mm. when it clearly doesn't. We have like Everton try it a lot, obviously. A lot of Premier League teams do it. And there's a short run, like maybe bump, but it doesn't really fix. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, well, well, we'll touch on managers and whether or not another manager in a prominent European team should be thinking about uh, leaving soon anyway. But um, two more points I wanted to get across. Obviously, Scotland, killing it right now. Lost this morning to England, but it was a friendly. So in, in qualifying, they're top of their group. Uh, Scott McTominay is top of the goal-scoring Euro qualifying, six goals. Um, just That's wild. showing, and like it actually links back quite well to the episode we had a couple of weeks ago where we discussed that maybe, discussed that like, he wasn't good enough to be or wasn't the right player that West Ham should be going for instead mm. of a James Ward-Prowse. And obviously I got a message from someone who watches a lot more Scottish football than I do, a um, friend of mine, Jamie, who said that our perception of him is, is being negatively based because of how he's played at Man United, but he's actually very good as a further forward like eight almost number 10 midfielder and we're actually and the more you you see his output for Scotland the more you're like maybe well Jamie might be right and also maybe whoever whoever's managed at Man United over the past two three seasons has sort of shoehorned him into this position that doesn't showcase what he's good at Mm. which is as an attacking minded number eight and maybe maybe he's now been you know back of the pecking order for Man United, but maybe that's a player that they're screaming out for. Yeah. You know, next to Casemiro, play him as a guy who gets box to box next to Casemiro, who can help out Bruno. Because mm. obviously Ericsson can't play every game and Mason Mount doesn't look like... He's going to be that good. Well, I don't know. Too early on Mason Mount, but... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, his, his time at United's obviously been very difficult. Obviously, it was the kind of McFred option as the with the double pivot, I suppose, under Ollie for a long time that a lot of people had like no respect for. But yeah, I mean, I mean, he has come out with good goals for United in the past, and yeah, is is doing quite well at the moment. He's got an eye for goal and can finish a ball really well. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would actually be very keen to see how if if he does move to a different Premier League club, if he can be play. If he's not sort of shoehorned into that defensive midfielder six role, if he's played more as an eight ten hybrid that gets forward, scores goals because he's got an absolute right foot on him. Yeah, and probably yeah. I mean, we've spoken about it a lot in the past. So you know, for a long time, United were in desperate need of a defensive midfielder. He's probably a victim of that situation a little bit. Mm. But yeah, it's it's good input from from Jamie calling us out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, I'm, we're, like, obviously we're, we're not like you know the heralds of all football knowledge so we're happy to be uh educated on certain aspects of the game that we may not know about um lastly i want to talk about something that i didn't really realize until i listened to a uh, another po- podcast by uh the guardian with um max rushton but uh kazakhstan uh second in their or second or third in their qualifying group only one point behind the top two and could be looking at a sneaky qualification i obviously haven't watched any of their games but them making a Euros, just quick, like, we'll touch on this very briefly before we move on, but them making a Euros would be wild. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. No, it'd be awesome. Yeah, I think, yeah, so, what was it? We looked at it just before. The top two were equal on points, and then them and another team are like equal Finland, on points. Denmark and Serbia or something? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, Serbia, Denmark, Finland. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be a crazy story. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd yeah. love that. All right. Uh the lots last of, lots of Borat jokes probably coming. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and a sea of uh, light blue. Yeah, um, or teal. So, uh, last thing we'll talk about there 
being an international break before we move on to back to the Premier League stuff that we're so well versed in is something that I alluded to before about managers and their time may potentially being up for their respective teams. Gareth Southgate and England. Um, I mean, when the, so just shortly after we decided to uh, postpone uh, or just, you know, for lack of a better word, just not do an episode <laughs> last week. Shortly after that, uh, Gareth Southgate announced his England squad. Uh, the, some names that, I mean, it's hardly surprising to see them anymore, but it's still frustrating to see them. Harry Maguire, Calvin Phillips, Jordan Henderson, all mm-hmm. picked. Henderson I can kind of understand because up until uh, he moved to Saudi, he was playing regular football for Liverpool all last year and he's still playing regular football, albeit in Saudi. That, that I don't have, like, I don't think he should be, he's not, he's, like, he still gets in on merit, I think. Yeah. And, you know, fairly recent performance. But um, Phillips baffles me. I think he's literally only getting in because he's, every time he plays for England, he plays okay. But he's not, he hasn't played a minute of football this season. Yeah. And Harry Maguire baffles me even more because not only is he not playing and not only does he not play well for England anymore, he's also not playing, whenever he doesn't play, whenever he plays for United, he also doesn't play well. Mm. So it's not merit. It's not on performance for England. So it's just baffling. Um, and then, as I sense um, to you, the still of the goal we conceded against Ukraine. Yeah, he's partially at fault for that. Um, and then this morning, just a just just an own goal that just reeks of someone who is out of practice with the game of football. Mm, yeah, just hangs a lazy foot at a ball coming in instead of trying to properly clear it. Yeah, it's just, it's just, and it's just, it's like, like, especially with how well we played in the first half with Lewis Duncan, Mark Gahey at centre back, and with how many, like, someone on a podcast I was listening to said, oh, England don't really have another, don't really have many other options at centre back. It's like, yes, they do. Yeah, they really do. They've got quite a few. So yeah, it's just, and like I'll get onto some other stuff in a second. More negatives about um, Southgate, but that alone has me thinking that. His time has to be numbered, Southgate. Like this is becoming untenable. Before the before the Euros, I would really. I don't think it will, but I would. Yeah, I think he's like bought in the eyes of the FA. He's bought enough time, but in my eyes, I'd I'd just do it right now. Like it's it's becoming incredibly frustrating. Yeah, I think it's a difficult one because like there's a there's a story there's a sorry there's a theory in there somewhere about kind of like keeping stability in the spine of the team because I feel like there are other players who have kind of falling off the pecking order who haven't been playing well maybe like Sancho like he was a player who would be picked under Southgate quite regularly and you know he hasn't been good and he's not been picked and so like I can see there's a theory there around kind of yeah keeping that stability through the spine of the team but it's definitely becoming untenable I mean for me I think the best option is you know he <laughs> he he stops doing it like this somehow there's yeah. somehow there's a bit of pressure put on him to sort of like rethink his selection and start trying different things before the before the euros because i do think that stability is is quite good um but it's just it's just whether you know he's essentially gonna die on a hill trying to protect because because he's come out in the media speaking about how the treatment of harry mcguire's been really bad and i feel like that factors into it as well that you know jordan henderson has recently been subject of like like a bit of criticism 
for his move to Saudi, mm. and it does seem like he's kind of dying on a hill for for the for the for the people they that, are. That was another, yeah. Like, that was another thing I wanted to talk about with yeah. regards to this was <clears throat> yeah. So obviously he's come out and said. Gareth Southgate on Harry Maguire. It's a consequence of ridiculous treatment of him for a long period of time. It's a joke. I've never known a player treated like he is, not by the Scottish fans, but by our own commentators, pundits, whatever it is. It's beyond anything I've ever seen. That's a naive comment that shows that he's out of touch because there's been players, the story of old, as old as time, ever since media was brought into it, players who are not playing well are, under, are put under scrutiny. Yeah, but players who are you know come into have scandals with various off-field things come into scrutiny. Mm. Wayne Rooney had it. Paul Gascoigne had it. Mm. Like um, David Beckham. David Beckham. It David Beckham had it. Like Harry Maguire, and like those those were players who were playing well, but just had off-field stuff. Harry Maguire, maybe he's it's rubbed in a little bit with like all the memes and stuff, but the criticism from most pundits is justified. Yeah, and Harry Maguire also does himself no favors. By a, he was given the opportunity. Like United wanted to give him an opportunity to go play regular first team football somewhere, and you know reinvigorate his career. But no, he and like he's he he's within his rights to do this. But no, he wanted to stay on his very high wages at Man United and quote unquote fight for a spot, a spot that he knows he's not going to get unless there's multiple injuries. Mm. And yes, now now there has been multiple injuries, so maybe he'll you know get a look in at Man United. But it's not going to go well if he plays at Man United yeah. because of how low his confidence is right now. Yeah. So I just I, I, this this comment these comments from Southgate where it's like oh he's never never seen a player it's like yeah, that's 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 just tunnel vision from him because there absolutely have been yeah. and the fact that it's calling it a joke is just ridiculous yeah it's been a, maybe a little bit more harsh but it's also on him Southgate the reason the, the criticism has been so harsh is because you keep putting him in this in in the spotlight when he doesn't when he shouldn't be yeah exactly yeah exactly he's not he's not up to it. Um, Sorry, just got distracted by the cat. <laughs> like, yeah, he's he's definitely not up to it, and yeah, I, I I think I think that's a fair that's a fair point that like get, like Southgate has put him in the firing line a bit. Like, I think the thing is, you can also see why he feels bad for him, but mm. the, you know, this isn't a situation in which feeling bad for someone is like is really okay. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, this is this is th- like the top of professional football, and it's not about whether someone's. You know, obviously, feelings were hurt. Yeah, exactly. It's not about like you know. Obviously, you want to look after someone if their feelings are hurt by on-field decisions, but and decisions around selection and stuff. But that's not a reason to to make the decisions. And it does seem like his relationship, like he's dying on a hill for for people, not not for for the team, not for the players yeah. or the or the team or the yeah the nation who yeah yeah. And who, then like he also he's like and then but the, and the flip side of that is that's not. You know, there's someone else who's missing out on a on an England spot. That's what I was just about to say, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, exactly. Like Lewis Dunk, who... It's a great story if he comes in and starts, you know, play, like starting for England. Mm. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't think the change will be made because I think he's bought... And, I, and like, I, I, full, I fully give credit to Gareth Southgate. He's taken England to heights they haven't reached for decades. Mm. Uh, Euro final, uh, World Cup semi-final. Great. But now, with the crop of talent that is coming through the ranks in the England in the England side, this is like the next golden age, after mm. the mid two thousands golden age. Someone better needs to be able to pick a lineup because if he if we go to the Euro, the talent that we have at at our disposal in the England team, we have enough. 
easily enough talent to win the Euros. But if we go to the Euros and he's still playing Harry Maguire and, uh, at centre-back and to a lesser extent Jordan Henderson or Calvin Phillips in midfield, yeah, we won't win it. Yeah, exactly. Like, there will be a mistake that one of them makes or there'll, or there'll just be, like, defensive uncertainty mm. that will cause us to concede a silly goal. And, and it almost seems like, you know, it's the perfect setup and I think maybe he's been ride, riding that a little bit or currently is riding that a little bit because, you know, the current state of European football... Like Spain, there's a lot of controversy around them and like the squad's not, you know, David Villa and like all, all of Iniesta and Xavi and stuff. Um, Germany, we just spoke about. Um, like the like the like France are doing quite well, to be fair. But, um, <laughs> you know, like the, the heavyweights traditionally aren't at, at their peak. We've got a crop of talent coming through that are amazing and if like it doesn't take a genius to put like that team together, really. Like mm. when you've got Jude Bellingham playing so well, you've got Harry Kane up front. You just have to have a, like a kind of solid defense and not make mistakes, like you say. So it's like I suppose what I'm trying to say like it's 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 hard to separate out whether you know he's do he, he is doing a good job and has done a good job to get us to this point, or he's riding kind of that wave. But yeah. my, my thing would be to stay with him, to be honest, and, and slightly change. That's selection. fair. That's fair. Yeah. So the last thing I want to talk to talk about is this quote that he made. <laughs> When people said that he should be playing Phil Foden centrally, he said he doesn't play centrally for his club. Presumably there's a reason for that. You'd have to speak with Pep, who's the best coach in the world, who plays him from wide. This screams of like pettiness from Southgate. Mm. And also it, scre- it tells me that he doesn't watch Man City games, or at least enough of them, because not two weeks ago or three weeks ago, Phil Foden had one of the best games in, his recent, in, in recent months for Man City, playing centrally against Newcastle. Central midfield. Central, central attacking central midfield attack, as a yeah, number 10. Yeah, yeah. And was unplayable. Yeah. So, and the and like the only reason Phil Foden plays out wide or Pep Guardiola is because of a certain someone called Kevin De Bruyne. Perhaps Gareth Southgate's heard of him. Like, yeah. it's just, that's just really pissed me off. Anyway, yeah. let's move on because we've been talking about this for long enough. <laughs> um, so, back to... Uh, the Premier League. The Premier League. So, obviously we won't go too in depth about last week's stuff because it's not it's old news yeah. but we will talk about it briefly and you wrote a great article about it I did write a great article already, so. <laughs> did you read that one? I did ah I thank did. you it was good uh, so yeah we'll just briefly touch on it um, the Arsenal-United game great as an Arsenal fan sensational got the win love that dramatic fashion love that against a historical against a historically historical rival love that did we play well? No. Yeah. But United played worse. So Yeah. And you're taking a lot more positive from the game. Rice scored. Hayes was back on the score sheet. Yeah. You win three like by two goals. But yeah, there, there's definitely issues for both teams there. But United's are so much worse. Yeah, and now with United's <laughs> injuries compounding their on field issues. Because like with their back line of what was it, Wambasaka, Lindelof, Martinez, Delo. They just could not play out from the back with any sort of semblance of the way Ten Hag wanted them to. It was just sort of knock into midfield, knock back to defence, knock into midfield, knock back to defence for about nine to ten passes, then back to Onana who'd hit it long and and Salibra or Gabriel would just mop it up. Happened about nine or ten times in the first half. Yeah. And then, but then like, like I said in the article, there were there was a brief glimpse of what United can do well once or twice. Rashford's goal, really well taken counter-attack, and then one moment where Ramsey had to make a save in the first half, in the second half, and then obviously they're going at your goal marginally offside, but again, great great hold-up and flick-on from Hoyland, and 
a good finish from Garnacho. Yeah. And we might have been t- saying talking about the game very differently if that wasn't offside, but it was. And then United crumbled at the end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think there's just obviously very big issues at United. Like, injuries is probably the main one. Yeah. Um, and I suppose they've they've still got decent, like, you know, points-wise, points tally-wise, coming out of the first... Is it four games? Yeah. Four games. So yeah. They, are, they, they are in the bottom half. They've got three, six points from a possible 12. Yeah. It's not catastrophic, but it's it's a bad start, and mm. there's just... And they've got a game coming up this week that if they lose that, then it's starting to be a bit boring. Mm. And I think Ten Hag losing is cool, in a sense was was something that stuck out for me post match yeah. yeah like it just just not a good look anyway anyway moving on um liverpool starting to cook a little bit mm. like and like you can say it's early in the season but they've played chelsea they've played newcastle and now they've played aston villa yeah and they got 7 points from those games yeah and they're undefeated and then and something that i saw mark goldbridge of all people make a really good point about <laughs> is that <laughs> you know how hard it is to is completely overhaul your midfield? Like, every single player in that starting midfield is different yeah. to what it was last season and st- still be good? Yeah. Like, from the jump? That's so hard to do. And they've done it. Or so far, they've done it. Seemingly done it, yeah. Yeah, it, it is pretty crazy. I, just, I think it just speaks to how good Klopp is yeah. and has been for so long. Like, because... People keep doubting him. Like, every time off- Liverpool struggle a little bit, but it's like, no. Nah. And I think the like the story around the debate between Pep and Klopp is like always around that purchasing power parity thing. Like you know, he's been operating in a structure that is just so different from Man City's. Mm-hmm. Like Man City just go out and buy whatever piece they need to make it good. He has done like so much with so little, and yeah, he's he's incredible. And they look very very good. Yeah. Also, Trent. I think the way Match of the Day described it was Trent in almost like a quarterback role. Like he drops into like either centre-back or defensive midfield, and then just pings passes all over the gaff. And he was incredible against Villa. Like, just unplayable. So, your pick? (laughs) Hey, don't count it out too soon. Don't count it out out just yet. Maybe I saw something that people didn't. I know this is a bit, you know, weird to say as an Everton fan, but, you know, I think the story of Liverpool winning, like, going to win the league, this, like, with your, like, along the lines of your pick would be incredible. Yeah. Mate. Um, I saw something. <laughs> uh, anyway. people don't see. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. Chelsea inconsistency uh, still present. Um, can't seem to string two good results together in a row. Mm. Yeah, I mean, talk about Liverpool like overhauling a midfield and like having to be good. Chelsea weren't good, changed their whole team, and then expect to kind of bounce back and like change their manager as well. Yeah, it's it's always going to take, take a while, time. and yeah. they have looked like a pretty good product on the pitch. Like they've they've played some nice stuff. Yeah, but again, it's just not doing it consistently. Mm. Like they did, they looked really good against Luton Town, but it's like that's a that's a that's a, a squad that is not Premier League standard. Yeah, you need to do it. And Nottingham Forest, for all the criticism we've given them, is looking like a somewhat Premier League standard squad. Six points from their opening four games already and Forrest they, Forrest look I think that probably that's the other thing yeah that is worth saying it like as you were like Nottingham Forest have started quite well and mm-hmm. they've brought in Alanga playing very very well Iwani I think he's been nominated for player of the month mm-hmm. um, 
yeah, they are looking very good. That link up in particular of those two. Yeah, crazy. I also think Willy Bolly was a very astute purchase. Yeah, name at the back. And I think Morgan uh, Gibbs White, his output, you know, since the start of last season when he was signed, has been good. Yeah, and he it continues to be. Hasn't good. always showed up in the goals and assists as much as people may have accepted, but like his output in terms of like, like one percent of stuff. Yeah, is very very good. I heard a stat. I think since he joined. Sorry, I just moved far away. Um, since, since he joined from Wolves, that was the end of last season, right? Apparently, thirty, like around thirty percent of uh, Forest's expected assists have come from oh, Gibbs really? White. There you go. So, like, exactly, like it might not be showing up in like clear like assist stats, but he's been his creative output is huge. Yeah, and yeah, as for Chelsea, like, I mean, we'll see how they do this week, but it's just something's they just gotta they just gotta start putting it together consistently because like they had chances to score that like to to score that game and like really good ones like nicholas jackson missed an absolute sitter yeah 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 it's just not quite clicking week in week out and i think it will but as i said before this season like quite a few people were like hyping them up to without european football to get back into the top four i don't see it they're just not a cohesive enough outfit yet and i don't think it'll gel properly until other teams have sort of gone. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, next point. <laughs> what I've written down is Brighton good, <laughs> Newcastle worrying. Um, but that's all you can really say, right? Yeah. Like Evan Ferguson, fantastic. He's the next wonder kid. Um, uh, but yeah, Brighton just... And like, I'm bouncing back a little bit from the, from the, from the West Ham result mm. um, against a very good... You know, like recent past, very good Newcastle side. Um, but Newcastle just looked lackadaisical. Like, they didn't really look like they rocked up. Yeah. And I think something, like, maybe the narrative coming out of that's what, this one is something we spoke about offline a little bit is, you know, Newcastle did very well last year to do uh, a lot with a little. And maybe that, you know, the law of averages just coming in here and they're struggling a little bit more than they were. Because... They've strengthened. So I think they they bought. Was it just Tenali that they brought in? No, Tenali, oh, Harvey, Harvey Barnes, Barnes, and someone else. But a key thing that was mentioned that Newcastle didn't bring in, mentioned in a, a podcast, I think it was by the Athletic, is that they didn't bring in another centre back. Yeah, and that's something that they've really. They're now with Botman out. Is yeah. coach, like Dan Byrne is not the answer long term if Botman's out for. a Continuous amount of time. Yeah, he was kind of a good stopgap. Oh, they'd bought in Livermento. So yeah, he, he he could be pushing Dan Byrne for that left back spot. I'm yeah, pre- I'm pretty sure if if Dan Byrne doesn't improve. Yeah, but I suppose like I I don't think it's panic stations for Newcastle. I no. still think they're going to have a good season. But yeah, it's it's going to be hard to to get back into Champions League again now that yeah. they have Champions League. And also, they have had has to be said one of the toughest oh, no the toughest run in their opening five games. They've played four against uh, Aston Villa, uh, Man City, Liverpool, Brighton. Next game is against Brentford. Like, yeah, right. That is that's rough. Tough, yeah. Um, but yeah, I trust Eddie Howe. He's one, of, he's one of my favorite managers. He's a very good manager. I trust that he'll be able to figure something out. Should get the England job. Yeah. And lastly, <laughs> Everton. First point against Sheffield. Yeah, didn't write about this one in my article, but I thought it was worth talking about. <clears throat> yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's good to get the first point. Obviously, you wanted three points, um, so it's a little bit disappointing in that sense. But Beto gets his first Premier League minutes. 
I think and looks good. Yeah, started he, and put, he, him, put he, himself he, around really well. He has looked very good, and obviously, we beat. Um, who was it? Doncaster. Doncaster in the League Cup. Um, <laughs> Bottom of League Two. Which was, you know, it was a scare, to be honest. But Beto came on and, and changed the game. And sure, it was against uh, Doncaster, but he looks very good. Yeah. yeah. Well, people were saying it was only Doncaster came to with the Premier League. And then he didn't score, but like was as much of a hassle for Sheffield United as he was for Doncaster. Yeah. I think, yeah, th- I think that's what's, I don't know, happening in Everton at the moment. Beto's a good pickup, but... There's still very big issues, and yeah, we should have got three points there. We should have got maximum points, and because we've got some very difficult games coming up. And one thing I actually forgot, but I've just remembered now that I didn't want to talk to you about is the potential owner yeah. ownership buyout. Um, I'll get your initial thoughts on it before I give mine. What do you think? I mean, if there's someone who can come in and sort out the financial issues, then that's good. But I think I've only saw the headline. I saw that they also own a Belgian side that had protests against their ownership late last yeah. season. So what the research that I've done is they own Sta- Standard Liège, the Belgian club, Sevilla, uh, Hertha Berlin, and Vasco da Gama in Brazil. Hertha Berlin, relegated. Yeah. Sevilla, this season, uh, historically good, but this season, last in La Liga. Standard Liège, in the relegation zone, and protests last season, like you said, and Vasco da Gama, also in the relegation zone. Yeah. So, I think this might be a... Like, Everton fans who don't do too much research into it might be like, oh, great, Mashiri out. But this is a careful what you wish for situation. The devil you know sort of thing. And this is... Yeah, and this is also far and away the biggest club profile that that 777 group will be managing. Yeah. Out of any of those clubs. Yeah. I think the... Like... The big thing is, it's Everton's financial issues again backing them into a corner. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we essentially need someone to come in and pay for the rest of the stadium. Yeah. Um, and it's whoever wants to do it because the last group backed out who wanted to kind of do half and half with Mashiri. Mm. So now Mashiri, they want to take the whole thing. Mashiri's probably just like, yeah, sure. And I do, I do think there is a, a way where this can work where if Everton can stay up this season and they buy them out and then next season with the new stadium Everton's finances can finally start to like and they get past their FFP um, case Everton's finances can finally start to build out from because of an interesting interesting point I heard where it's about a lot of big clubs make their money through like club shop and you know uh, stuff facilities in the stadium that are there to make money bars yeah. Uh, you know, uh, VIP access things and stuff like that. Goodison Park has very limited... Yeah, the boxes. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Whereas this new stadium will have a state-of-the-art club shop, multiple boxes, multiple VIP sections, yeah. so many more bars and everything like that. And that'll make so much more... And also more fans. What, uh, Goodison Park's like 30,000? Yeah. Bramley Mordock 60. Yeah. Like, or 55 or whatever it is. Like, that will see an exponential raise in funding that will benefit the club and hopefully mean they're not trying to like break even every transfer window yeah no i definitely agree that there's kind of like a (laughs) a keyhole through which um we kind of get out of it and get back up to like challenging top six but fuck i don't know it it does seem stacked against us yeah and i mean if i really worry what happens if dice gets kicked out yeah i just really worry about that yeah 
Anyway, speaking of, let's let's talk about uh, predictions for round five, uh, and starting with Arsenal versus Everton. <laughs> It's, so it's at the Emirates? No, it's at Goodison. It's at Goodison Park. So yeah, uh, the road doesn't get any tougher for Everton in their uh, road to staying safety. safety. Yeah. Yeah. But it has to be said, a notable caveat is Arsenal haven't beaten Everton at Goodison Park in a number of years. I don't know the exact amount, but it's it's at least four or five. Yeah. To be honest, like my, my head's just telling me that, that Arsenal are going to beat um, Everton um, you know th- there's probably a bit of a story there around like Everton have played actually quite decently in, in their opening matches and not got the results so maybe there's a draw in there but I think in terms of predictions it's it's really hard to predict any- especially because we've got a tally going it's hard to predict anything apart from um, Arsenal winning yeah do you see anything else happening I, see, I definitely see a draw if yeah. we play like we played against United I see a draw um, yeah, I suppose Arsenal have their challenges as yeah, well. Uh, it would be so us to, to draw the game, though. I, I, and I don't know. I feel like... But I also just... I feel like... Arteta will have known from how we played against Fulham and how we just scraped through against United that this needs next game after the international break needs to be like pushing on so I do think Arsenal will probably win it but I don't think it'll be convincing yeah. at all I think it'll be like one of those games where we just sort of try and try and try and try and try for ages and eventually fucking find a breakthrough yeah <laughs> um, get something jammy yeah so what you see like a, a 1-0 or something yeah 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 Actually, no, no. I think two one. I think Everton are going to find a way to score somewhere. Mm. I reckon. I reckon two nil. I reckon the issues with scoring continue, um, and then like it's close for a while, and then towards the end, I can see DCL or Beto or Dan Juma just like getting some sort of not jammy, but like just goal where we like switch off or something, Mm. and then we like try and just. Again, have, have like 80% possession and just like knock and knock and knock and knock and eventually it goes yeah. in. Okay. Um, next, we've got Manchester United versus Brighton. Very interesting game. Um, Brighton, obviously, outside of the West Ham game, flying United in all sorts of trouble uh, if they lose this game and uh, injury plagued. Yeah. Is, is that Old Trafford, though? Is that Old Trafford? Yeah. Okay, true. I reckon United are going to get some sort of jammy result out of it. A win, yeah, yeah. Really? <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say. Actually, no, I'm going to pick a draw. I'm going to say two all. I'm going to say two all. I think United are going to lose. Yeah, I enough. think. I think the writing <laughs> is on the wall. The, I think the writing on is on the wall for this one, and I think that if United had a slightly more injury-free backline, maybe I could see a draw. But if Harry, if Harry Maguire plays. They will lose. Yeah. They will act, I think... Or well, I also think that, like... I think I think United will score, but I just think their defense is way too leaky uh, and they will concede. And yeah. also... Yeah, look... Yeah, I think it'll be, like, a high-scoring-ish game, but I think they'll lose, like, 3-1. Yeah, yeah. 3-1. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think Brighton are going to score a bit. That's why i kind of gone back to a draw. 
Yeah, even against West Ham, like they created heaps of chances and just didn't quite couldn't quite score. But against every other team this season, they've created so many chances. They've, they've conceded plenty of chances too. So I think United will score. Exactly, Maybe yeah. it might even be four two, but I think it'll be a Brighton win. Yeah, I think it's going to be high scoring, just yeah. given how good, how bad, like they kind of both have been at the back, yeah. and how good Brighton have been going forward, and how much is on the line for New, uh, uh, United. Okay, so you're going two all. I'm going. 3-1 yeah um, alright West Ham Man City this game based on last season's performances doesn't seem like a big game on paper but with how good West Ham seemed to have been reju- reju- rejuvenated this season and with their like ability to sort of figure out possession heavy teams and just sort of defend to a man then swiftly hit on the counter yeah like they showed against Brighton um, and like how they show- and like how they played against Chelsea I want to see how they, it, they this sort of style they're playing it's not, not it's nothing new but it's, it seems to be revigorate, reinvigorated how it goes against the best of the best because yeah. if they can get any sort of because I think it's at the, Olymp- at the London Stadium if I'm not mistaken yeah it is yeah. if they can get any sort of jammy result here like even a draw I will start to be like West Ham maybe, maybe back in the in like the top 8 conversation yeah top 6 conversation hmm I think, yeah, I think it's going to be close and, like, West Ham are going to have a lot of, um, you know, have a lot of fight to them, but I think City are going to be too good. Like, I think they've kind of been, West Ham have been riding a bit of, like, a wave and I think maybe that some of the momentum is lost after the international break um, and they, you know, they they, sh- they show up well and put in a good performance, but City win in the end. Scoreline? Uh, I'll say 2-1. 2-1. Two one. Two one. One. Yeah. To City. I'm going to go... Despite everything I've just said, I think I'm going to go City 2 <laughs> <laughs> It's just it's just hard. Like, I, I think I, West Ham... It is a big game. Yeah, but, I, want West Ham, I want West Ham to prove me wrong, but I do think City will win 2-0. Mm. Uh, all right, lastly, we've got Newcastle versus Brentford at Newcastle, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Newcastle yeah. needs to bounce back. Brentford have had a pretty good start to the season, so the loss isn't the worst thing in the world for them. Yeah, and I do think Newcastle bounce back this game. I think it's a tough opposition, and they've had a tough run of it so far. But this is the game where they go, "Hang on a minute, we're not actually that bad. We're we're, we're okay." Um, yeah, and they they win. Um, uh, I'll let you give your thoughts thoughts first before I um, give you a scoreline. I think as well, like Newcastle back at St James's Park are just going to be a, a little bit too good. Um, and it's just so hard going and playing there. And Brentford have been all right to start the season. But, yeah, I think Newcastle will win. I'm going to say 3-1. 3-1? Yeah. I'm going to go 2-1. 2-1. Yeah, I reckon Newcastle are quite, will be quite up to like blowing them out yet. But I think 2-1. Yeah. Is, they, just, they just need a result. They need a win. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, that's, that's all the results. I think... I have to spend some time actually doing our little tally of results because yeah. so I've, I've lost track of it. But um, if you quickly run through last rounds, United versus Arsenal, we both picked Arsenal to win. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I picked 3-1, I'm pretty sure. So I'm stoked with that. Sure. Yeah. Um, Liverpool, I picked them to beat Villa. I think you picked a draw though. Or you picked, did you even pick a Villa win? Honestly, can't remember. Uh, <laughs> I, re- I reckon you might have picked a... I reckon you picked some sort of Villa result there. Yeah. Um... Like we didn't do Chelsea, Not- Chelsea Nottingham, um, Brighton Newcastle. I picked a Brighton win, and you didn't. 
I've got. Uh, I've, I actually I'm, have no idea. I'm pretty sure I picked a Brighton win. <laughs> I can't remember didn't. at all. Um, did we do Everton Sheffield? I don't think. I think we. I think we might have, because it was such a big like sick, uh, game because they both hadn't done the. Yeah. I think I. I think we both picked Everton to win. Mm. So missed again. That one. I. I don't know. <laughs> I'll. I'll go back and listen to it and listen to By the next tape. week. We'll be back on top of the yeah. tally. Well, yeah. We'll, and we'll yeah. listen to the tape. Yeah. Um. But yes, as always, as we come to a close. Uh, if you like what you hear, uh, follow us on Spotify. Give us a, f- a five-star rating, if you could be so kind. We've had a few ratings coming in recently that, v- that have been positive. Um, and then also uh, follow us on our socials, uh, 40yardswitch.pod at Instagram and the, f- the 40yardswitchpod on Twitter. I'm not 100% on that one, but um, I have to fact check. But yes, uh, follow us on the socials. We post a story every time we post an episode. And uh, yeah, look out for our episodes coming up. Bye-bye for now.